Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Aileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Comro. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. Today, our guest is Aiden Boyer. Aiden first gained widespread international notoriety as a music performance and composition major at CalArts. After his musical comedy videos racked up millions of views on TikTok in 2020, his videos have received praise from big name musicians such as Lizzo, Clario, Colleen Linger, and Charlie Puth. You yeah. can tell I didn't know who any of those were. Uh, oh, wow. 2023 has been Aiden's most promising year yet. He was a contestant on season 21 of American Idol, where he advanced to the top 25, uh, received major wow. accolades from uh, Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, singer, songwriter, mentor, Philip Phillips. He's released another new single called Tranquilize. Uh, apart from music, Aiden is a staunch autism inclusion and anti-bullying advocate. He uses his platform and his own experience living with autism to help make a positive difference on social media and the community. So thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So we like to start off each podcast asking our guestee how they like to be preferred. How they, Sorry. I understand. We like to start off each <laughs> podcast asking each of our guests how they would like to identify. And we don't mean pronouns, although please feel free to specify those if you wish. We mean person with autism, autistic person on the spectrum. Uh, do, do you have a preference? Not really, but I tend to gravitate toward uh, on the spectrum more than anything. Uh, I like I like to identify as, as a person on the autism spectrum, but you can call me a person with autism. You can call me autistic. It doesn't really matter much to me. I think that's probably a common theme. We really should like keep track and tally up Eileen like our guests like we could go back and check we should see like the answers and like you know categorize it I think like 80% answer I don't have a preference you know I I mean maybe a tiny preference but really doesn't matter and you know what I'm starting to really like on the spectrum too I just I don't know it's it's nice I feel like it has a nice flow to it and almost like the name of our podcast (laughs) I found that that one is the great equalizer yeah, uh, that's that's the one that that most people I talk to are are cool with. Uh, if many have a staunch preference for autistic or a staunch preference for person with autism, I can still use that one, and they're totally fine with it. Yeah, yeah, that's it's the middle ground. That's uh... that's what I found. Obviously, I cannot speak on behalf of everybody, but on the spectrum or with autism or is autistic. <laughs> cool. Well, can you tell us about your uh, diagnosis journey? Uh, being on the, on the spectrum, how old were you? When did your parents tell you all of that? Yeah, um, so I'm very lucky to have had a very early diagnosis. Um, I was diagnosed under the DSM-4 um, with what was at the time known as PDD-NOS, um, and uh, it was considered on the autism spectrum um, when I was two years old, and that was 2002. Uh, so I uh, wasn't meeting a lot of the developmental milestones. Uh, a lot of people on the spectrum, uh, uh, find themselves kind of regressing at, at around 18 months, but my parents kind of knew from the get-go, uh, immediately. There was never a specific time they, that, that I started showing symptoms of autism. It was just kind of lifelong for me. Uh, at least that's how my, my parents phrase it. Uh, I was diagnosed then. Um, I was 
put in intensive therapy uh, a bunch as a child. Uh, I did some ABA, but mostly I did a very non-traditional therapy called RDI, which stands for Relationship Developmental Intervention Therapy. Um, that is what really, really helped me to be able to communicate. Um, unlike a lot of people on the spectrum who are diagnosed later, um, I uh, completely lacked the ability to reference other people uh, in order to communicate to begin with. Uh, I had no ability to mask um, at all. I uh, basically had to be manually taught every single aspect of communication uh, from when I was a child or early on. So yeah, it doesn't come naturally to me at all, but uh, it's but it's what I do 99.999% of the time. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, I uh, was told that I had autism when I was 12 years old. Uh, so it was a long, long time after. I had always felt like I was different, um, but you know, uh, my parents told me when I was 12. And sometimes I actually kind of wish they told me a couple years later, because uh, at that point I was still kind of using my autism as an excuse sometimes. I didn't really understand uh, the, the line between um, using autism as an excuse rather using autism as an explanation. Uh, so I would still kind of take advantage of of the diagnosis uh, for a little bit in my early preteen years uh, just to get away with things. And it was very immature of me. Uh, but then once I and I also just hated myself, I had a really, really, really rough experience with my mental health once high school began. But not long after that, I really started to come into my own and, and I began to accept myself more and more. It's also around the time I began to make friends and, and things really, really began to shift for me. I was becoming closer and closer to my music career. And I started to feel like part, parts of a community uh, as, I, as I got older. Um, and it really, really helped me um, uh, to uh, accept myself and learn to love myself and be proud of being on the spectrum. I have so many follow-up questions for you. Like, first of all, like, I had never heard of RDI. Like, I, I feel like I've heard about some obscure therapies, but like, I've never heard of RDI. I don't even know if it's still around, you know, is it? Still yeah, around? no, it's, it's still around. Um, I can't remember the name of who started it, but like my family, like way back in the day had done, uh, meetings with, uh, um, the guy who started it. It wasn't Greenspan cause that's the floor time approach, but it kind of is on the, it's on the similar, uh, sort of uh vicinity of of greenspan i think i honestly don't know much about about it myself uh my parents know a lot more about it than i do but it is still around it's just not it's not very popular but it it worked really really well for me and and it's worked really well for a lot of other people on the spectrum and it ultimately helped me to be able to communicate my wants and needs uh to begin with so um yeah it was it was great for me i'm glad that that worked out um you, you mentioned that you would have preferred maybe if your parents had told you a couple years later, later. And, you know, I'm very interested in that because my youngest, Jude, I don't know if, if you knew, but he was diagnosed too. It's level one. So he's more like, you know, like the three of us. And uh, he's starting to ask questions. And I did want to tell him because, you know, a lot of his friends are being diagnosed too. And he's come, he knows, and he's specifically asked, like, am I? And it's really difficult for me not, not to tell him, you know, his, his dad is, uh, would prefer we don't. And, uh, but I feel like for me, it would have helped me a lot growing up because I felt so horrible about myself until I learned basically that I was on, on, the, on the spectrum, you know, that I felt like it would have helped me to, have, uh, to know I was on the spectrum. So um, do you have any thought on that? 
I think another thing is that, you know, now people like Jude are, are living in a time where the autism paradigm has already dramatically shifted. Back in the day, back when I was 12, this we're talking early 2010s, late, late 2000s, uh, pure culture rhetoric was still very, very, very rampant. So, you know, we have already made massive progress in the last 10 years uh, as far as our knowledge of autism and as far as understanding that it's something that we need to uh, accept um, and, and work with, work in tandem with as opposed to something to eradicate. Um, so that already is, I think, a big step forward. I've volunteered at a camp, uh, and I continue to volunteer at this camp in Kansas City called Camp Encourage. Uh, and almost every one of the kids, this is ages 8 to 18, almost all of them know that they're on the spectrum, uh, even the, the really, really young kids. And I think that, you know, now that autism isn't seen, uh, you know, nearly as much by the general population as, as a disease anymore. Obviously, we still have a, a lot of work to do in that regard. But, but, but I think that um, now that the paradigm has shifted, um, it, it would probably be a lot easier to tell younger uh, people um, on the spectrum that they're on the spectrum. So it's, uh, it's really a case by case thing. For me, you know, I had all these preconceived notions about autism, because, you know, I was called the R word all throughout my life. And, and, you know, to me, it was just it was just this horrible, horrible thing. There was not a single good thing about it. That was my only knowledge of autism in my preteen years and prior. Um, so, you know, I use that against me. So it really depends on the context. But um, for me, back then, I would have wished that my family had told me later. But if I was 12 years old now, I would have probably wished that my family told me earlier. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with the context of the autism paradigm as a whole. Makes total sense. Yeah. So, what is, would you say, the most difficult thing about your autism? And what would you say is your favorite thing? That's a great question. Those are great questions. Um, the most difficult thing about having autism, uh, I, I don't particularly have a, like a, a specific part of it that I really kind of think about. I just kind of live with it. It's not really something I, I think about too much. Uh, just... I think just exclusion, just being excluded, uh, just knowing that I'll, I've never really been able to fit in a, a conversation with, uh, a, a, with most people, um, you know, things like that, my sensory issues, which are just agonizing, uh, my particularly auditory sensory issues, sudden loud noises, um, and yeah, I think I think probably those would be the most difficult. Oh, and just struggling to control my body, just struggling to to, you know, actually get my body to regulate. That's probably the most difficult thing about my 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 disability. Um, and of course, I, I I just wish the world was more accommodating as well. Uh, you know, of course, that's an, a whole other conversation because, you know, the world is uh, the wor a lot of people on the spectrum say that the uh it's the world that is the most disabling part of uh them being on the spectrum and while i absolutely agree that it it, it, it is uh very very disabling uh to have a world that just doesn't understand you i found that that i still am disabled a lot itself uh by by my autism itself um my favorite part about being on the spectrum is the fact that it ultimately got me to where i am today um, I am the happiest I've ever been. I've 2023 has been the best year I've, I've ever had. And I just continue to learn more about myself. And I have the strength that is very unique and, um, 
I'm just proud of who I am. I, I feel proud and self-actualized. I still have moments where I really, really struggle with my self-esteem, but overall, at the end of the day, most of the time, I'm very proud of, of who I am and my unique outlook on the world. I think I have a lot of unique things to offer. So that's probably my favorite part about being on the spectrum. My, I think that my relationship with music uh, attributes to my autism as well. Uh, so yeah, I, that, that would be my closest answers to those two questions. And I think, and you know, it's it's a cliche that a lot of autistic people have like a splinter skill, but for you, it's almost like you you do have one with music. Um, I, yeah. mean, I don't know if you agree or not, but I'm I'm wondering whether it's linked to your autism or not. You do have perfect pitch and clearly yeah. amazing talent for music. How did you discover that you had that talent? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are a lot of people with perfect, absolute pitch who are not on the spectrum, but I like to think that my perfect pitch uh, sprung from my autism. Um, it just comes so naturally to me. I'm able to pull notes out of the air just immediately. I can hear a pitch and I can immediately identify it. Um, oh, it, yeah. it I, sometimes I forget that other people can't do that. And like, and, and then me saying that sounds like, hey, look at me, look at what I can do. But, but at the same time, I, I just don't know any different. I don't know any different. I, you know, people are always expressing to me, oh my God, it's so impressive that you could do that. And I'm like, like, they're like, do you realize how impressive that is? And I'm like, no, I don't. I do not realize how impressive it is. And I don't think I ever will because it's all I've ever known. <laughs> but um, I, uh, it just comes naturally to me. I just can hear a pitch and I can just identify it. Oh, it's a C. Oh, it's a C up about 50 cents. Uh, oh, I can estimate that's a C half sharp about, you know, 37 cents. I mean, I, I can't go that specific, but but you, you know what I mean? It's It just comes so naturally to me and I use it for everything. Uh, it's the reason I was able to skip three levels of oral skills as a music major in college uh, and, uh, you know, get garner 15 units just, just by having perfect pitch. You know, it's, I, I, it's, I feel very lucky. It's a blessing, but it's also a curse because it makes it a lot harder to communicate with bandmates, uh, a lot harder to communicate to my students because I'm a music teacher on you know how to interpret notes uh because i i just i i've had to build it around my absolute pitch and you know it's harder to explain it and, and see it in a way that most people see it so how did you feel the first time one of your videos went uh, viral i mean you got uh, positive feedback from charlie puth i can't oh, say his name but i know who he is um and i mean that must have felt like incredible he's like you know in the music industry um, it was amazing. It was it was amazing, and it definitely helped me get a kickstart on my pathway to self actualization. Uh, I finally could say that I feel self actualized now with American Idol. But you know, those TikTok videos were crucial points in my musical development for me. I was still in the midst of college. It was the height of COVID, so every everything was uh, Everybody was quarantined, and and that was kind of the closest thing I could do. I couldn't get any gigs. I couldn't do all these other things, and I was. And I still had my priority priorities shifted toward film scoring being the main thing I wanted to focus on before uh, becoming a pro singer songwriter too. Uh, so uh, just getting those comments from Charlie Puth and, and just finally first gaining widespread international notoriety when most people weren't uh, just all the more makes me all of the more reason uh, among so many others why I feel like one of the luckiest people on the planet. You have a big presence on social media. So does Eileen. I don't. Um, but so do you receive a lot of hate on social media and or just negative comments? And, and if so, how do you deal with it? Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Um, I nowadays, not really. Um, I don't really receive a whole lot of hate anymore. I think I'm just very, very proud of, of how 
uh, my showing my vulnerability on American Idol really, really struck a chord with a lot of people. And, and I'm glad that all the bullies, I guess, are too intimidated by my musical ability to bring me down <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I feel very um, fortunate to n- not receive a lot of internet um, hate anymore. Most of the bullying I received in my life came in my childhood, uh, directly in the school setting. Uh, so nowadays, I, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. It's just overwhelmingly supportive most of the time. That's incredible because TikTok is so toxic. I feel like yeah. I, I can really post anything and I would get hate like from all sort of people. You know, it's not just one group. It's like crazy what people will like d- dissect a video just to find something negative to say, no matter how positive the video is. So that yeah. must really say something about you. That- yeah, well, I when I was when I was on TikTok, I did get uh, a fair amount of I don't, I don't like to call it hate. I just call it misunderstanding. Uh, and, and just seeing it that way really helped, but yeah, it was, it was pretty draining. Uh, so for me and my platform, uh, since I mostly focus on music and, and autism advocacy through infographics, as opposed to actual like videos where I convey tone as well. Um, I've, I've really laid off of TikTok quite a bit for me. Uh, but yeah, no, TikTok is brutal. Uh, Instagram is where it's at for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. Instagram is a lot nicer overall. Um, do you want to talk about uh, the good doctor? I mean, it's everywhere right now. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. Love to. T- tell me, what do you think? Well, first and foremost, I want to get out of the way that I'm not the most credible source of information for that because I haven't exactly seen the show in its entirety. I haven't actually watched the, sh- the show itself. I've only seen scenes from the show and I've read about the plot and I've read about the premise. So I can only go off of uh, my experience based off of that. Um, but yeah, uh, for those who are unaware, uh, there is a meme going around uh, that involves uh, Freddie Highmore's character, Sean, who is the character on the spectrum in the series. Uh, losing all composure and and shouting, I am a surgeon, I am a surgeon, after being uh, demoted to a pathologist. Um, it's, it's, I, I made a post about it on my Instagram, so you can, uh, where I explain it a lot better than I ever could verbally, so you can find that on uh, my Instagram at Aiden Boyer. Um, but uh, a lot of people were making fun of it, you know, because a lot of people think that, you know, it's not the best representation of autism, and, and obviously it isn't. I, I am a fully 100% in favor of actors on the spectrum playing roles on the spectrum. I'm 100%, I I 100% prefer that. I think that is, I'm a, authentic casting is so important to me. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people thought it was uh, not accurately portrayed. Uh, That's also debatable as well, because the autism spectrum is so wide and so vast, and there's not really a, 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 a true correct way or incorrect way to to play somebody on the spectrum, you know, at the end of the day. Um, but at the same time, though, people on the spectrum are not a monolith. And I'm someone who uh, sees himself in Sean Murphy's uh, character a lot um, because of, you know, uh, being, I guess, more naturally gifted and, and then having deficits in other areas, being, being on that sort of uh, side of neurodiversity. Uh, I, and I work a day job, a uh, very rigorous degree required day job uh, that, you know, is very, very similar to something like that, where I have to, you know, maintain my dignity. And, and I'm just terrified of losing my composure. That's one of my biggest fears at my job. 
uh, but it happens to Sean. And so he's just losing all control and he's in a full blown meltdown mode. And that really spoke to me. I really thought that scene was powerful because it's a very real thing that people on the spectrum experience. And uh, the show obviously might not be based on a true, based on a true story at all. Uh, it kind of should be because we need more people on the spectrum in the workplace. But at the same time, I think um, things like that, you know, I just don't, I don't, at the end of the day, I don't like meltdowns of people on the spectrum being trivialized. Like it just, it never sat right with me that people were making fun of a character on the spectrum uh, having a meltdown. Like that, that just doesn't sit right with me. Obviously the show has flaws. Obviously it's not perfect. Obviously a lot, a lot of people are enlightening me about, you know, the uh, problematic plot line as well. Like I said, I haven't seen the show as well, uh, state, stating their opinions on that. But but at, the, but, that, but at the end of the day, it's, it really doesn't get more simple than me just not like not liking meltdowns being trivialized or made fun of because they're they're horrifying. They're they're awful. I I don't like experiencing them. I don't like witnessing them from other people. It's 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 not a good thing, and and it's something that should be taken seriously, especially since this sort of thing is in a workplace setting. So. You know, I think it should really open up a bigger conversation as to how we can properly accommodate uh, employees on the autism spectrum uh, in these professions like this. Um, maybe that would help employment rates rise. I think it's more of a deeper conversation as opposed it, it it's grounds for a more deeper conversation as opposed to uh, a meme that should get made fun of. You know, I feel exactly the way you do, and you put it in two words perfectly. But to me, that scene was actually so relatable. And you know what? I used to not really like that show because I thought, well, again, it's that cliche of the guy who's like yeah. gifted. And I mean, you know about my family and Charlie's, you know, yeah. there's no representation of kids like my son, Charlie, who's, you know, level three. Absolutely. But absolutely. That scene was really relatable for me. I was like, because it's, it's me, like I mask so well. I mean, I have a job now and but that could happen to me it's happened to me at school it's happened to me like in uh, places where it should never have happened and people always act like so shocked when it happens because you know they don't expect it coming from me because they see me 99 of the time acting totally fine and then they just completely yeah they wonder what's going on but that's the reality of it right oh my god nailed it right there absolutely um, it's, it's important that people see, see that side of the autism spectrum. Uh, it, you know, it's it, at the same time, it also got me thinking about how American Idol aired my meltdown. Uh, so, you know, I have not had anybody, as far as I know, make fun of that yet. People are over here making fun of, you know, the good, uh, that on the good doctor without all the context of, you know, you know, the good doctors, you know, overrepresentation of the savant trope, you know, how it doesn't represent, you know, people like your son, you know, things like that. Um, but for, for, for me, you know, it's my, my actual meltdown wasn't getting made fun of it's, it might not be the realest thing that happens and the plot may be flawed, but, but at the same time, meltdowns happen <laughs> and they're very real and they happen in the workplace and it's, it's real, it's very real. And so it's not, I don't think it's something that should just be glossed over or made fun of. And it's probably, you know, something that put autistic people at risk of losing their job. I mean, I know like I was expelled from school for that. I've lost friendships over that because, you know, something really like triggers, I don't like that word, but you and 
it's it's over like i know that's sometimes i just i can't control it i know i shouldn't be doing it but it's stronger than you i mean that's why it's it's a meltdown right and it just comes out and if we could bring attention to the fact that even though autistic people are able to act normal if you can't you're not watching the video i'm putting quotes most of yeah. the time it doesn't mean that meltdowns are not happening you know and i really think we need to bring more attention to it i don't know that if that was the best way to do it but i'm happy that was yeah. in the show so I, I agree i agree with that i agree with that it, and it brings a bigger conversation about how that things like that can be accommodated in the workplace a perfect segue uh, and i do like talking a lot about neurodiversity and acceptance in the workplace and it, it's such a complex topic because there's so there's you know eileen's two sons are so different when you talk about autism and employment how can you group that together but so you mentioned you do advocacy what is your goal what are you trying to achieve through advocacy one of the biggest things uh, that i value is providing people who are not on the spectrum with resources on how to best and optimally communicate with people on the spectrum uh, mainly in youth. Um, so what I really hope to start doing is uh, speaking, excuse me, speaking in schools um, where I provide resources and workshops uh, to neurotypical kids on how to properly connect with people on the spectrum. Uh, so I, I do real world scenario training, like, for example, let's say uh, you are talking to somebody but on the spectrum, but they cannot stop talking about a, a certain subject and you're just sick and tired of it, but what can you say to them while still being nice and still giving them the benefit of the doubt? And I've had, and, and the few times I've done that, I've gotten some great responses. I had a kid say, uh, you know, cause obviously you don't want the kid to be like, like shut up or like be quiet uh, or like, oh my God, can we please talk about something else? But rather, what else do you like? What are some other things that you like? You know, things like that, things like that. Just, just kindness workshops, uh, particularly for neurotypical people. Um, you know, I also just hope that, you know, my story can can help uh, just inspire people on the spectrum as well. But really, I just, I, you know, but really, I, I focus, I think, the most on my advocacy on educating neurotypical people on how to uplift people on the autism spectrum. I'm all about uplifting. I'm all about making positive content. I'm all about um, that sort of thing. Uh, kind and kindness, mainly just because I understand firsthand what it has meant to me in my life. Uh, so can you share experiences you've had with autism, other autism organizations, you know, as a self-advocate as well, just how you've been perceived and what the response has been like and how to, you know, you mentioned, you know, build that bridge, you know, how, how have you gone about doing that? So I've been um, just trying to hustle and just put my social skills to the test, really, really, really challenge myself based off of all the things I learned in speech therapy. Uh, there's an LA group called The Miracle Project, uh, which is a theater group for uh, people of all neurodivergent abilities um, that I have just found an amazing community with. Uh, I get recruited to do a bunch of gigs for them as well. Um, I've just reached out and talked to organizations that involve people on the spectrum. And I have found that, you know, they're, they're just much more accepting than, you know, the music industry. I, I applied all sorts of, you know, venues to perform at getting like no responses most of the time. But then when I reach out to autism organizations, they're all in, you know what I mean? Um, so I just found that people who uh, work with these autism related organizations, whether they're on the spectrum or not, whether if, if they're involved in that, they're so much more accepting and understanding of, of me and my missions. The Doug Flutie Foundation is an organization that reached out to me. Um, recently, after my time on American Idol, um, you know, and 
I just, I'm someone who will just take any opportunity I can get, you know? Uh, so I, but I, but I wanted to look into it and it just blew me away. The things they do for people on the spectrum, they actually raise money that goes directly toward people on the spectrum in helping them achieve their dreams and helping them achieve careers and a quality of life. Uh, you know, people on the spectrum shouldn't have to, you know, resort to, you know, just, you know, going as far as like working a, you know, custodial job that they don't care about. People on the spectrum should be allowed to live their dreams and should have the resources to live their dreams, just like any neurotypical person, uh, uh, lucky neurotypical person would. So I just am so grateful that they reached out. They said, we want to help you. We want to help you con contribute financially. We will fly you out to Boston so you can perform and network. And, and, and I'll be sharing the stage with Cody Lee, who won America's Got Talent a few years ago. Another person that I feel like the autism community needs to talk about a lot more um, just because of what he has done. Um, but, you know, I'll be sharing the stage with him in Boston. I'm very, very excited for that. I, and I've had meetings with the Flutie Foundation and the, the two people I've done the meetings with have been so wonderful and so supportive and they've been kind of starstruck over me. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, they're, they're helping me invest in, you know, my music equipment, you know, because I don't want to spend my whole entire paycheck of grueling work that I have to do as someone on the spectrum, as a, who's also a teacher, you know, on, on just trying to do, do what I love, you know what I mean? So I'm so, 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 so grateful for all of their contributions. And, and I hope to continue uh, working with them some more. They told me about their budget. It's, it's seriously incredible. It's seriously, seriously incredible, the work they do. I'm so glad they're supporting you. And I had never heard of them. So thank you for uh, bringing them up because our listeners now know about what they're doing. Of and course, happy to spread the message. So when, uh, where can uh, people find you on, uh, on social, social media? People can find me um, through my Instagram handle at Aiden Boyer. Um, I use that handle for most other social medias as well, except for Twitter. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, you can email me if you have any inquiries about anything, uh, AidenBoyer at gmail.com. Uh, I read as many as I possibly can. I read Instagram DMs. Uh, I read Facebook Messenger things, but not as frequently. Um, uh, if you are interested in uh, a speaking engagement inquiry or any other inquiry about, you know, me playing a gig or you hosting a house show or anything like that, you can visit my website at aidenboyer.com. But um, out of everything, I'm the most active uh, networking wise on Instagram and through my email address. Awesome. I'm going to ask you some uh, quick fire questions now. You just tell me right. the first answer that comes to your mind. Who's your favorite uh, singer or band? Coldplay, Chris Martin. Man, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Probably because I follow you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> favorite TV show or movie? My favorite movie is Night at the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian. Andrew, any thought on that? Never seen it? No. No. Yes. I have... Someone wow. you. Yeah. Eileen, just because you haven't seen any movies, right? <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite book? I don't really read a lot. Thank you, Hyperlexia. <laughs> um, probably, uh, I really remember loving Catcher in the Rye when I read it in high school. What's your favorite musical instrument? Piano, of course, uh, but it's tied a close second with electric guitar. Well, you play guitar too? 
I don't, but I, <laughs> I just love the sound of electric guitars and I love arranging for it and, you know, messing around with audio effects on uh, electric guitars, particularly in the realms of reverb and, uh, you know, spaciousness and stuff like that. So can you play uh, any instrument or with your perfect pitch and musical ability or do you have to like learn or is that? I mean, I'd have to physically learn the instrument, but with, you know, my perfect pitch, I can understand, you know, uh, the workings of an instrument. I would still have to actually go to an actual musician who plays that instrument to be like, hey, is this impossible to play or, or you know, so. It gives you the very good base basis. Yeah, it gives me a, it gives me a good basis for arranging for that instrument, uh, not necessarily for playing it. <laughs> nice folder. What's your favorite color? Uh, indigo, deep indigo, blue, violet. I've been really liking maroon lately. I like dark red. I like maroon too. Yeah, good one. Well, that was it for us. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad we could uh, finally meet in person because we've known each other through social media for a few years now. And your story is really incredible. And I love how balanced you are about everything, your take on things. So, so thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. I really appreciate it, guys. Let's keep in touch. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.